Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. To everyone going to the Colorado game, we'll see you there. And when you get to your seats, take a photo of the field, tag CU Buffs, and use the hashtag CURedOut. All right, Honky is going to get everybody to do that. It's going to go viral, baby. Um, also with Boomer tonight. Well, I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, Moose carrying on and his uh, traditional uh, path of hiring coaches and welcoming someone like Terry Francona to be the next coach of uh, Nebraska baseball. That would be a good hire. I think I'd be okay with Terry. I suppose so. Um, well, guys, uh, Honky was texting us and and wanting to know if we were going to record the show on, on Sunday night. And I was like, you know, Honk, I'm still a little too close to Saturday night's devastating loss to Oklahoma State baseball-wise. I'm just not ready to talk about it. Uh, let's let's take an extra 24 hours um, to digest that before we actually do the show and, and also talk some football and, and other stuff on the Redcast. And uh, lo and behold, 24 hours later, a lot of things have actually changed, right? Um, we learned this afternoon that Darren Erstad is stepping away from his coaching responsibilities there with Nebraska's baseball program after eight years and four regional uh, berths. Um, I'll just throw it out to you, Honk. Uh, were you shocked? You know, not really, actually. I kind of thought as the season was going down to the end, there's different statements. Moose made a statement about how uh, he doesn't need this job and Erstad didn't need the job that they wanted to be here. And it's a great statement, but there's so many times we've heard from Erstad over the years where he would say, you know, if I don't feel like I'm the one doing well enough, I'd walk away. You know, I'd give it to someone else. Right. I love Nebraska. I love the Huskers. I want us to be great. I really feel like, he, you know, he just, this is a great time to walk away and he wants to spend time with his family. And I don't know how much this played a role in it, but the social media aspect that there's some real negative, uh, Nellie's out there. I'll just say that nicely. And I don't understand baseball as well as you guys do, but man, people, there were just a, a ton of people out there that seemed to be really anti Erstad and it, it blew me away. I, I think, I think he did a fabulous job. He leaves this program stronger than what he took over. And I'm really happy uh, that we had a chance to have him for eight years. I think he did a great job. Boomer, uh, were you surprised? Uh, a little bit, I think. Kind of like Honky said, he didn't need the job, so it certainly wasn't a money issue. But I, I would have thought, you know, with kind of the younger team that he had, that in, you know, things he'd said about, you know, how proud he was of this bunch, kind of like this, I thought he would stick around to see what he could do with them again next year, especially kind of getting a little momentum here to end the season, you know, with a, with a good finish, you know, the Big Ten tournament and then winning a game in the regional and was one out away from being in a driver's seat for super regional. I thought he might want to come back and give it one more shot to see what see what he could do stepping forward. So a bit of a surprise, I think. So actually, Dave, maybe as important of a question is, do you think Moose was surprised? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think for some of the reasons you laid out, Honky, and, and the reality is I, I just don't think Erstad 
uh, makes a snap decision like this. And it surely wasn't because of the outcome on Saturday night's game. That That's not the why he is quoting, or even the social media stuff. If he was thinking about this, I would be surprised if he hadn't at least mentioned it to Bill Moose that this is a possibility and he was weighing uh, this uh, consideration. So, yeah, I, I'd be a little surprised if Moose doesn't actually have his list of five candidates that he'd like to go after. I don't know who those are, and I think we're we're gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting, you know, hiring process. I think before we get that, I think it I have to give uh, the regional uh, it's just due and its coverage. I mean, Nebraska did win its first game, beat UConn as a, a big win for Erstad and his program. Uh, and then was on the cusp of doing something really exciting. That Saturday night game was one of the most fun times I've had in, in watching Nebraska baseball, and it feels like a decade practically. They uh, get after an early lead uh, with Aaron Polinski's three-run home run. They add to that lead. They're up 5 nothing. Uh, Waldron uh, just gets going and, and really has a, an amazing pitching performance. And uh, the odds of us being in the driver's seat for that Super Regional were pretty high uh, by the um, eighth inning where we, we get out of a jam and uh, Shea Shanneman strikes out a Oklahoma State Cowboy to preserve a 5-2 to two lead at that point. I was a little worried watching that game in the sense that we weren't producing any more offense. So Oklahoma State uh, relief pitcher did a great job of uh, preserving that, that five-run deficit, and they kind of started chipping away at it. On the ninth, you know, Colby Gomez just didn't have his, his best stuff. And um, when it came down to it, he, he left a pitch over the plate versus Oklahoma State's best best home run hitter. And it was gone the second you saw that on TV. It was um, uh, an emphatic home run by uh, Boone there. And that, that's how baseball, you know, plays. And uh, that, that had to be devastating. The team did not bounce back and and play well on Sunday, losing to UConn in, in kind of embarrassing fashion. It, it was a, a really tough loss. I'll start with Boomer. I mean, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that happen? Oh, yeah, Hunky and I were watching it, you know, together. And uh, it was, like you said, it was such a fun game to watch for, you know, eight innings. I mean, it started, you know, shaky when they had the bases loaded that first inning. But then, you know, Waldron was able to recover from that. And like you said, put together a, really a gem of a pitching performance. He, you know, you just almost wish, gosh, if he could only gotten away with 10 or so pitches in that first inning, could he have almost closed the game out? You know, I mean, my God, you know, we were so close to, you know, everything falling into place on that. That ninth inning, it's just one of those things in baseball where, you know, the game's never really over, and it wasn't. Gotta get 27 outs. It just wasn't. Just one out away and just couldn't get it. Didn't know what else to say, and it was a gut punch. You know, we posted that, and... People have talked about it, and that was a hard loss. You know, it, kind of the weird thing is I don't think any of us really expected a, a huge run out of the Husker baseball team in the postseason. You know, I thought maybe one boy, they were close. Yeah, they were really close. <laughs> oh. and, yeah, I, and, you know, you knew once they lost that game it was going to be really hard to rebound. Uh, that's such an yeah. emotional swing. And then plus UConn, uh, the way they were hitting, you know, this postseason, even that first game they were, you know, cranking out hits against us. So that was going to be a tough, sure. tough opponent regardless of what happened. So... I wasn't super surprised by that Sunday results, so, but man, that would that just hurt. So yeah, Honky as the baseball novice here, I mean, you have a initial reaction. I, I felt like uh, you were almost uh, beside yourself on how something could happen like this, considering how good uh, Matt Waldron pitched for almost eight innings. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a baseball novice, but uh, I'm I'm 
quickly becoming the social media expert on on the on the staff here. <laughs> and so I got to be a part of social media for that night. And anybody that follows us, they'll recognize that we didn't tweet again from right after the game where we wrote hashtag gut punched. We didn't tweet again until this morning. And part of that is because it hurt. There was nothing that there was nothing worth tweeting. There wasn't it wasn't worth trying to pile on. But what I did learn from social media is that we had really smart, great coaches for eight innings, and then they became instant morons in the ninth. <laughs> and that kind of seems to be, you know, the the standard that, you know, some fans out there are gonna set. Look, yeah. it stunk. I mean, we had an unbelievable everything you guys said, we had an unbelievable performance from Waldron. It was a great game for as long as, you know, for eight innings, and then it just collapsed at the end. And it's really tough to watch that. What it tells me is we were just literally a pitch away from being in the driver's seat to get to the Super Regional. We're not that far. We can do it at Nebraska in the Big Ten. Um, I'm watching Michigan right now up 12-5 to 5 on, on uh, Creighton, which is great. Yep. We, we love seeing Creighton lose. And Michigan's showing the conference that we can make it to the Super Regional. These are things that if you go back to when we were hiring uh, Hoiberg, the basketball coach, and we were talking about, you know, what does Moose need to do to bring in a top-notch basketball coach to a program that has no history? You have to sell all the positives. This does start to transition to what what is the world after Erstad. We're not that far away. We can be a program that can get right back to Super Regionals and, and beyond. We were that close the other night, but it just specifically the other night, that was about as big of a gut punch as I can recall. I, in fact, I want to throw one of the mailbag questions. We got a bunch this week. Sure. One of them, coworker Eric, he asked, "Where does Saturday night's game rank in the biggest gut punches in the history of NU athletics? Where did that night fall for you, Dave?" Yeah, pretty high. I'll be honest because I'm I'm the biggest baseball fan out of mm-hmm. uh, the Red Cast. Uh, I've followed baseball closely my entire life, including college baseball. Um, thanks to the College World Series being in Omaha and. I've you know, I've seen seen games like that go in, in the majors uh, for and against me. So it, it can happen to the best of them. And um, and how it, it played out. Honky, to your point about the coaching, I'll try to keep this brief. But, I mean, to, to say that that was Erstad or Ted Silva's fault that we lost in the ninth inning is just is ridiculous chatter to me. Agreed. It, Agreed. They, I mean, Gomez was your, your closer all year long. He had 13 saves. He throws flames. You go with the guy who, who who got you there, right? And so 99 out of 100 coaches would have put their closer in at that point. So the, for those Twitter guys that said they wouldn't have done it, you're, you're the odd man out. Well, so Dave, well then, yeah. but he threw nothing but fastballs because that's the next thing that we heard. All he threw was, you know, 19 straight fastballs and you just gave it to him. And again, I'm being the devil's advocate. I'm being Twitter here, by the way. Right. Yeah, I understand. I, I, again, I would say that I, I, before I even get there, I would I would say that some people might say like, "Well, you should have walked Trevor Boone mm-hmm. and not play, you know, pitch to their best hitter." And the fact is, in that case, you got five three already. You'd be walking the winning run onto first base and advancing those other runners. Uh, and now a a double wins you the game. So then you have to weigh the the odds, the statistics of is the is odds higher or, or lower that Trevor Boone's going to hit a home run and take the lead, or will the next guy hit a double and clear the bases because Boone's probably getting pulled for a a, a speedy um, a base runner? Um, I, I don't know the odds on that one. You, you might well pitch to Boone, who's got 19 home runs out of probably 200 at bats this year or something like that, and then you rely on your reliever who throws 96 
and um, all he needs is a long fly ball, right? That would have been okay. Uh, the odds were in his favor that ball stays in the park, but uh, he left the ball over the plate. You have, sometimes as a coach, you have to ask your, your pitcher to execute a pitch, and he was trying to throw inside, and he, he let it um, out, and he was sitting on it. Yeah, he, I, I guess you could have called an off-speed pitch there and, and see what happened, but that that's about the only thing you could complain about. Yeah. <laughs> There's another reason why we didn't tweet or do anything for social media, at least the rest of that night and, and on Sunday. It's because I don't take losses well, and this one hurt. And to answer coworker Eric's question about where does it rank, it I'm not even the big baseball guy, and it ranked very high in my – my gut punches it. It yeah, he wasn't taking it well, folks. Yeah. No, it, it's as bad. It, it felt as bad as a fan as some of those bowl losses that we used to experience. You know, back in the '90s, early '90s under Osborne, and and that's a good thing. It's a good thing as a fan base to to have these moments where you there's highs and lows and all those things. I mean, that we're going to grow together as a fan base because of this game. Uh, yeah, we will. Um, the other reason I didn't tweet anything, and I'll, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some insight, Redcasters, into our text conversations back and forth. Uh, Dave texted to us after the game. He goes, "This is baseball is my favorite sport. All 27 outs count. We needed one more. I would have considered walking Boone. I think Erstad will not regret doing that. Okay, so that's Dave's take on it. Honky's take is, my favorite sports are number one, football, not even close, two, basketball, three, volleyball, four, wrestling, five, women's bowling, six, softball, dot, 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 25th is baseball. So I became (laughs) very pouty, and that's okay. It's okay to be pouty. But the social media stuff is like, if you're just going on there to be negative and just being, gets to be ridiculous, it's tiring. So we didn't just not tweet for a day. I mean, I literally laid off a Twitter for a day. It was was kind of actually a nice little... uh, exercise there but fans it annoys me because i i think very highly of erstad i think he did a very good job for the program i said that earlier and i just felt like i don't think that the fans are what those fans are what caused him to do what he did today i'm not saying that but i'm just saying they were annoying there was a lot of noise about how what a terrible coach he was and 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 fire erstad crowd and i think the guy did an outstanding job here how many regionals did he take us to in the in, in how many years you know, Dave, for the last six years, this isn't this isn't your grandfather's Big Ten. Uh, since 2015, we've had 22 teams make regionals, and compared to the Pac-12 and the Big 12, other Power Five conferences, they've had 23. I think was the number. Yep, I think that's the number. Yeah, we're right in that that category. We have some depth building. Maybe we don't always have the top, you know, one or two seeds the same way those other ones do. But the point is, it's a better conference. Money's being thrown into it. It really does make me interested to see what Moose does with this move now because there's possibilities. Again, we're kind of now starting to transition into the yep. future, Dave, right. but you start talking about like some of the dollars and cents, what, what other schools in the conference are paying their coaches. I'll ask that. What are coaches in the Big Ten making right now in, in baseball, and what is Nebraska potentially going to be looking at, do you think, to bring in the type of coach we want to bring in? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Hockey. With the Big Ten, they have invested heavily in the facilities in in baseball, and we have better stadiums, better practice facilities, etc. But the head coaching salaries have not really gone up significantly. If you look at the uh, kind of list of Power Five head coaches, the at the bottom of the list is the Big Ten coaches, right? Uh, Rutgers coach. I think this is the list I have from um, 
athleticdirectoryu.com. Uh, Boomer, if you have a better list, this is 2018 salaries. Rutgers coach at that time was making 156000 Jake Boston, Michigan State, 175 Maryland, 180 uh, Purdue, 185 Darren Nurse was at 221 John Anderson, Minnesota, 228 that was all the bottom of the list, right? I mean, literally, we're at the bottom. Six, six Big Ten coaches. Then we have a few Pac-12 teams. Then we have Rick Heller at Iowa, Dan Hartley at Illinois, Greg Beals at Ohio State. They're all down there at 300000 or below. And uh, then you kind of finally start to jump up. You have Eric Backich at Michigan, who looks like he's definitely taking his Wolverines to a Super Regional um, at 625000 as the highest paid Big Ten coach. If you look at nationally, you have the Southeastern Conference, Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt at over $2 million of total compensation, Kevin O'Sullivan, $1.4 million, Paul Maneri at LSU, $1.2 uh, Jim Schlossnagel at TCU, first Big 12 school on the list, almost $1.2, et cetera. So that's the top dollars, right? If you're talking top, top 10 money, you're around a million dollars plus. And we are a long ways from that for, as a conference. So I'd be very interested. Well, I could do the point of this is not your big brother's or father's Big Ten baseball. We've had more bids over the last five years than we've had in a long time. We're now a, a four-bid league, plus or minus, it feels like. And we've had some schools like Illinois and Indiana host regionals. I think we're getting close to the point where you could say, like, that that regular season champ or highest RPI Big Ten team is close to always being in consideration. Maybe should always be a host almost. If you could get to that point, and I think you try to bring in a coach with a much bigger salary that has his experience and his success is commensurate with that salary, uh, maybe Nebraska can take the lead in in baseball like we've always envisioned us uh, mm-hmm. being. So so Dave, here I'll since we're talking salary. Let's talk a name that's come up here in the last three or four hours since the news broke, and that would be Rob Childress. What what would it take, and and is that a kind of move Nebraska would make? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, again, these are 2018 numbers, but Rob Childress at A&M, total compensation was $800,000, fifth highest in the uh, SEC, um, 25000 more than Dave Van Horn at Arkansas. So I, I think it's a really good question. I mean, how much – can you offer someone like Rob Childress? Because let's face it, I mean, Childress is from Texas. He's coaching in the SEC. He's had success there. Recruiting is is uh, going to be relatively easy uh, compared to Nebraska. And so, how much money would you actually have to offer someone to leave that type of job to to come to uh, Nebraska? And again, it's a better Big Ten, mm-hmm. and it's good facilities, and we have a good fan, great fan base. Really, it's a top ten fan base. But whether it's perception or reality, it's going to be a harder job, right? Um, I don't know. It's a really great question. You know, I, I, Boomer, if Bill Moose would go and say, I'm going to pay Rob Childress $1.3 million to be the baseball coach, and A&M comes back and says, well, we're not going to pay you that much, Rob, but we'll give you a 1.1 or something like that. So it's a couple hundred thousand dollar difference. Would you expect him to leave A&M to come to Nebraska for a couple hundred thousand bucks? I don't. No, I mean, like you said, he's he's from Texas, and you're already kind of established there, and you've shown what you can do. You know, at a school like that, they're making you know the postseason on a you know constant basis at A and M. Yes, and that would just be very difficult. A and M's the kind of school that can compete with Nebraska in terms of uh, you know salaries and fan support and you know facilities and all that they can offer. 
you know that that's going to be a tough guy to pull away. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. And I think his contracts at least through 2021 there, so you'd have to consider that end of it too. He'd be buying that out, and that's going to be a tough sell. I mean, maybe he's you know got his heart to come here. Maybe he's we should have had him in the first place, you know, a while back. But uh, yeah, that ship sailed a long time ago, and might be too late to get that back. Yeah, yeah, I I do think it's going to be tough to to bring up a, a big name coach from the SEC, ACC, or even Pac-12. Um, unless it's someone who is, is making considerably less money and we can maybe some Pac-12 coaches or, again, maybe some highly successful mid-major coaches that are probably making more in the three to 500000 type range that we could just blow out of the water from a compensation uh, standpoint. Uh, we, we could be very competitive against. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And, and to Honky's point, if, if Moose has had some – Fair warning from Erstad on this. I, I'd imagine he's already working his his back channels, right, Honky, which he's really good at, and um, we'll be seeing where he goes with this. Yeah, and I I guess I there's just a, a certain magic to Moose right now, and I've been very high on this guy for since we we hired him, but he's proven it, and he's proven it now in multiple years with with coaches at different sports bringing in top-notch guys and guys that, that a lot of people quite honestly would say that couldn't have happened here that we couldn't pull in a Hoiberg to Nebraska well I right now I I'm not going to put any limitations on this with baseball we, we will have the resources to do whatever he feels he needs to do I, I'm confident in that and as far as going after a coach who's from an SEC or an ACC yeah it's easier to make a regional maybe from there but it's also the expectations change. So right now, Childress just went through a, a regional at A&M, didn't make it through it. And I have no idea what the A&M fan base is feeling towards Childress right now. Are they in love with them or are they absolutely furious that the guy can't get them out of the regionals, can't get to the Super Regionals? You're an SEC team. You should be in the Super Regionals every time. Has yet to win a College World, World Series game. He's 0-4 there. Yeah. yeah. How many times has Childress and A&M won the SEC, right? I mean, we have to sell Nebraska differently and sell the Big Ten differently than you would the SEC and the ACC if you were going after one of those coaches. I think an example I've heard of, and I was saw it on Twitter tonight from a, one of our followers, is that you know we need to be kind of the Gonzaga of baseball, where you know you're coming from a conference that, as we talked about, the conference is getting better, but the conference doesn't define you. And to most people, you know, Gonzaga is a blue blood of basketball right now. If you look over the last ten years, and yet they come from a conference that has absolutely no basketball to speak of. They have the right guy, and, the, and that coach has been there long enough, and they have the right system, and they know how to recruit to it, and they do all the things to make themselves very successful at a high level. And they and they let's talk about what Erstad did well. He scheduled non conference, got us always in a position to have high RPIs. And then really his biggest challenge was he ended up losing a lot of games in conference, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this with the air quotes, but this terrible conference that we're in, he would lose probably more games than people cared that he would lose in conference. It wasn't the non-conference that, that annoyed people. It would be those losses to, you know, the Northwestern series and some of those series where it's like, oh, we just can't lose those games. You know, if we, if we if seriously, if this conference was as easy as it's supposed to be, then we should breeze through that. And as we're beating Baylor's and beating Arizona States and beating Texas Tech, man, we should be hosting a regional. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, and that, that's a hard one to explain. And I, I do feel like there's this uh, the Big Ten baseball season 
It's just a. I mean, some of those places, even though Northwestern has just invested in their their stadium, it's actually, uh, I think, brand new. Essentially, they still have twenty people showing up, right? You've mocked the Michigan crowds, right? I think sometimes it's tough to get. It, it, I have you. You noticed that when Arizona State came to town, Nebraska, even though they got blown out that first game, they sure were ready to play on Saturday and Sunday in front of you know five thousand folks. But when there's twenty. Uh, friends and family out there in front of you in Evanston. It's just hard for those teams, and it's 27 degrees out. Yeah, it's just hard to figure out how those games play out, right? And it is, it is. It's it was maddening to see us lose some of those games. I, I think that's why you, to your point of how does mm-hmm. Bill Moose sell this, right? Is he needs to have a coach that not only has a plan as Erstad had to build a resume to get into the tournament, but a plan also to win the big 10 on a regular basis. Yep. I mean, because I think if you could start to do that, you could potentially then turn that recruiting advantage, kind of like saying the big 10 footprints kind of ours. We're going to take the best players from the big 10 footprint because we're the best big 10 program and maybe build yourself from in instead of having to have Texas or California as your pipeline. Yeah. And I think we know that the one coach that we're definitely not going to go after is Minnesota's because uh, he wanted to move the, Big Ten out of the NCAA, so that's probably John not the Anderson, guy. yes. Yeah, Boomer, you had a really interesting thought in the sense that with uh, Moose's Northwest connections, Oregon State's Pat Casey, who has just won a national championship last year, did actually retire, um, and he's 60 years old, uh, but with three national championships, and Pat um, has a weird clause in his contract that he may actually come back to Oregon State, right? Yeah. But he may not. Yeah, it's a weird contract. He can basically return to Oregon State whenever he wants to, so which has to make you feel good if you're the current, you know, Oregon State head coach, and that doesn't make you nervous at all. So no, no, which was a former assistant, right, right. Uh, but Casey could potentially, I guess, if Moose, you know, throws a bunch of money out at uh, out of him, he has, you know, five to ten good years left. Yeah, might be what you want to, you know, keep that program up to the next level and. You know, might yeah. be something to build off of. Yeah, it was just one of the names I was just kind of throwing out there. You know, I do. You, do you think we need Power Five uh, coaching experience? Is that what we want to try to go for? Or not necessarily. The I think there's a lot of mid majors out there that that's where we could beat them from a compensation package standpoint and a fan base standpoint for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and pull someone who has had a lot of success. Uh, I was trying to think through all the you know, the Cal State schools, et cetera. And I don't have anybody out on the West Coast that really gets me too excited. But, you know, there is, you know, probably some coaches in the Southeast that would fit that, yeah, that like, type of... Like, uh, what's his name from Dallas Baptist? Was it Heathner, I think? He'd be one I, I thought about. And I think, wasn't he an assistant at Creighton for a season or two? Oh, really? So, yeah, I think, you know, so he's got a connection. That sounds familiar. Yeah. It does sound familiar. So... You know, talking about Creighton connections, Brian O'Connor, the coach at Virginia, national championship coach, is from Omaha, uh, went to school in Council Bluffs, pitched on Creighton's uh, College World Series team. I don't think he has any strong Nebraska ties, though. But boy, he is—he is Omaha kid, um, and would be a—he has actually missed the last two NCAA tournaments with the Virginia. So, to Honky's point, how much does A&M love Rob Childress? You know, how much does Virginia love Brian O'Connor right now? But I just don't think he has a lot of Nebraska connections outside of being born here. Yeah, yeah. are those connections important? I mean. Is it something we have no, to just, have? No, I'm just trying to think of a reason why someone like Brian O'Connor with that resume would yes. consider Nebraska as a place to go to. Nothing more or nothing yes. less. Th- that's a great point there. It doesn't have to be a Nebraska guy. Dave Van Horn wasn't a Nebraska guy. 
But Dave Van Horn, when he came here, wasn't Dave Van Horn that we know of today. He was a guy coming from Northeast Louisiana or whatever. If we're trying to pull a Dave Van Horn from Arkansas or, you know, obviously the Virginia guy or the A&M guy, you know, if we're trying to pull those guys now that are established, that's where, you know, that that's the difference between, you know, it is nice to have some kind of Nebraska connection, something to try to pull those guys if they if they are established. If not, you're trying to explain to them why you think this can be a great program. This is one thing about Childress. We don't have to, like, show him some vision. We don't have to tell him that Nebraska can be good. He's been on CWS teams at Nebraska. That doesn't mean we're going to get him. It just, it just means that whoever's coming here has to understand the inherent challenges. Same thing we've talked about when Hoiberg was getting hired, all that good stuff. You have to understand the inherent challenges of being in this conference and being in Nebraska, keeping in-state kids. We've lost too many in-state kids. You know, A&M. Yeah, that's right. Look at that A&M staff right now, which is all Husker guys, you know, Sealy yeah. and Bolt. I and, think that's your your clear plan B, Honky, or maybe plan C, or whatever yeah. level it is. But Will Bolt and Justin Sealy, both excellent recruiters and excellent assistant coaches that are under Rob Childress, could be very likely candidates. Uh, they'd be young, no doubt about it. Um and A&M's probably paying him well enough to keep him uh, from bolting to some lower level or mid-major mm-hmm. school, but I'm sure we would be able to uh, pay him uh, well enough to, to pull him out. Dave, we looked that up. Uh, they were making, what, 185000 as assistant coaches yeah. at A&M? Right, for an assistant coach and level, it's but for a head coach. more than several yeah. Big Ten head coaches. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you think of other guys, like, I don't know what, Chris Pollard from Duke, would he be something that you could pull away? I mean, speaking of a team that just beat A&M, I mean, that's a Yeah, no, I, I think I mean, he, Georgia Tech's coach find, is making 400 and some thousand. Yeah. Yeah, I think you try to find someone like that who – may may think that they could get it done look i mean this is this is where the the fan base does come in where you know look uh, michigan got eric backage out of maryland and he, they're paying him a pretty penny i'm sure we could easily pay whoever we want 625,000 michigan's paying him but we can we can sell 4500 5000 people which is a top 10 attendance mm-hmm. That Michigan couldn't, or any other Big Ten team couldn't. So if any any team in the Big Ten can pull this off, it's us. Uh, it's just a matter of, of if we can get the right person to say yes. So I have to to finish up baseball. I have two more mailbag questions that came in. They're both a little different. One of them came from Mike from our Go Big Redcast Gmail account. Now, obviously, he asked this earlier today, so this is before Erstad made the move. He goes, "Do you agree with the media's coddling of Erstad and the baseball program?" I'll start with you, Dave. I mean, I don't even, I'm not even sure if I necessarily agree with that, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't get, I, so he's saying that the media has been too gentle on Darren Erstad. Correct. I I guess there's a certain fan base here that has the firm expectation that we should be in the College World Series every couple of years. I, I, I'm interested, again, from a hiring perspective, Erstad delivered four regionals out of the last six years mm-hmm. four out of eight total really could have went to a fifth one but he didn't have the the win-loss percentage to get there um three big 10 championship games in the regular season never or uh conference championship games never won one but made it three times won one regular season finished in the top half of the league every single year pretty much except for one or two uh it's it's a it's a strong resume but that's the baseline if you're not doing mm-hmm. that there you're you're gonna get fired i mean so uh, at minimum, right, and and obviously been on the hot seat for pretty much several years. So, um, boy, I, I, I not that I don't think we can do more. 
I think we can. And I think whether Erstad had a formula to get to the postseason every year, he wasn't a great recruiter, at least initially. It took him a while to start um, getting that. And that's where I was kind of excited to see where this was going. I felt from a trend line, he had kind of figured some of that out. And I felt he had to go in the right direction, had better success keeping the Nebraska kids in. And we'll see those guys play a lot next year again. Gomez and uh, Polinski and Haggy and um, all those guys are, are Nebraska kids. Yeah, well, and that was the one question, uh, I think it was John Gaskins, if I'm saying the name right, but he's like a yeah. journalist up in South Dakota. He asked that question, like any other coach, you know, if he had the same the same record and everything that Ursad had, he'd have been gone long ago. And Dave, your response to us on the text, and I, I tweeted it back to that guy, was, yeah, you know, it took Mike Anderson three years of not even making the Big 12 tournament before we, we got rid of him. And you yeah. mentioned the whole thing with John Sanders. I mean, we have a history of – there wasn't any preferential treatment given to Erstad. That's ridiculous. That I mean, that's a that's ignorant right there to even say that. There, I don't feel like there's anything preferential given to Erstad. Yeah, if Erstad would have missed the Big Ten tournament again this year, I think I mean that would have been two years in a row. Mm-hmm. That would have been unprecedented in his run, and probably he would have been very much on the hot seat if if not, you know, ready to to go. Um, but he didn't. He fought back and produced a, a top three team again. So. Um, you know, again, I just, it's just hard to compare, yeah. you know, unless you're Van Horn, right? Yeah. So now here's the other question that I wanted to ask, and then I, we probably can move on from baseball, but multiple Redcasters asked this, Mike, uh, the same guy that asked the last question, asked it too, basically the same kind of thing. Are you satisfied with where the program is currently? Do you like the trajectory and what are some areas for improvement for the next year? I think we're going in the right direction. I, I think offensively we'd be better next year because almost everyone is coming back. We lose Alta Villa, obviously, but again, a, a lot of those those guys are, are freshmen. Schwellenbach is is going to be a really good one. You know, we've got some talent there. I think they're going to be um, pretty darn good next year offensively. We would have to figure out how to replace the pitching staff. We have three senior starters, right? So that's where you probably look at Robbie Palker getting bumped up to a starting role um who else can can come in and chase Shaneman, another freshman from nebraska uh, maybe he starts i mean I, I think it's the starting pitching that i would have to see some improvement in next year to feel like we're on the right track for another regional bid yeah boomer yeah i you had to say this especially after you know last season's kind of disappointment this season was clearly a step up i mean if you look at the non-conference we were winning series you know on the road against baylor we beat texas tech on the road you know, we you know won a series against UC Riverside. We started really well against you know the Big Ten. You know had a had a little slump there towards the end of the season, which you know kind of got everyone nervous and uptight again. And then put things together for a good run in the Big Ten tournament, which we hadn't done in a while. And I I think we performed better in the regional, and I think a lot of people thought we would. At least you know if you would have asked us somewhere in the Northwestern game, you know that series, you know how far do you think we would have gotten? I think they did. You know reasonably well i like like the way we're trending you know i like the scheduling philosophy it seems to start paying off this year just like dave said you just got to get that pitching figured out next year batting has to get a little better just by default you think just by experience and you should be in a good place for next season yep and i think and i think it was something erstad i think it was something erstad even said too is like 
he wouldn't have left if he thought he was leaving us in a in a bad spot. You know, if we were on a downswing, he wouldn't have left a team. You know, at this yep. point. So, yep, that's another reason why I think Moose had to have known a little bit of this because I just don't think Erstad would have just dropped this bomb on him for no reason. Yeah, he cares too much about this program. Yeah, he, he's going to continue living in Lincoln for Cripe's sakes. It's not like they're just going to go move. You know, this is where they yep. want to be, and and so yeah, I, I agree. Well, I mean, this guys, this is a lot of baseball talk, but but it's been kind of an important day and an important end of, of a season. Uh, I'm glad that we we spent the time and dedicated it to talk about it because it's it this is it's one of the three sports we have it kind of on our on our mission statement. We are a football, basketball, baseball podcast, and sometimes this sport gets the the third fiddle, and it's nice to be talking about it right away tonight. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, guys, let's talk a little Big Red Blitz. Uh, we had a tour of sorts uh, this week where uh, Fred Hoyerberg, Scott Frost, Bill Moose, and several other Husker coaches went around Nebraska. In particular, they hit uh, Fremont, Norfolk, and Ashland, which were all uh, areas where it had significant flooding and raising uh, money for that cause and uh, got out amongst the people. And a lot of great quotes out of that. Honky, I'm sure you were following closely throughout the tour. Uh, anything in particular uh, stand out to you from the, the quotes and nuggets of wisdom from our head coaches? <laughs> well, from Athletic Director Moose, uh, we don't want to keep up with the Joneses. This is Nebraska. We are the Joneses. We are the Joneses. All right. <laughs> nice. That was in reference, I think, to a uh, the facilities at Memorial Stadium, South Stadium. What are, you know, what are we going to do to to make upgrades there? Um, no, it, it was a really interesting day to kind of be following along and and to see how the coaches interacted with each other. As you mentioned, Dave, it was coaches from you know Hoyberg and Frost to Amy Williams, Mark Manning, Rhonda Ravel. So coaches from you know spanning a lot of different sports that probably don't get to spend a lot of time with each other. And not just spending time, you're sitting on a bus driving around Nebraska. So they're playing cards and different, like, you know, mind games and stuff. But there's some game that, that Frost, I guess, plays. And, and so he was doing it with those guys. And it was, you know, asking questions. And I think he uses, like, Sporkle. And he has a big trivia website, Sporkle.com. Sporkle. Like that. Check that out. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. Scott knows what he's talking about. All right. It's also amazing how much money, I mean, like, salary-wise, we had a lot of money riding around on that bus, huh? Yeah. Ooh. Raising money for floods and also just getting out with the people again, bringing the state to the program, not the other way around, not not forcing people having to come to us, but we're going out there. I just I, I love it. I love every time I see those. They're just feel good days. But I just that's exactly what I want to see out of this program is is taking that time, taking that that money that you just said there, Dave. I mean, it costs us money to send people out to, you know, essentially to go to those places, but it's worth it. Because, you know, we owe it. We owe it to these these people across the state. Um, some of these people are hurting right now with the floods. And they are our fans. They are Nebraska Athletics is our fans who show up for volleyball and basketball and football and baseball. Uh, they, are, they owe it. There were some great quotes. I mentioned the one about the Joneses. Uh, Frost talked about being a tougher team. And I really love this. This does not sound like a coach who's coaching a spread offense. But he said, "You guys all remember that Nebraska was nasty. When people got on the field with you, they were gonna they were gonna lose the next week too because we were gonna beat the piss out of you." And then the applause from the crowd. He goes, "I want to get a little of that nasty back." That doesn't sound like Oregon, does it? 
That doesn't sound like UCF. I mean, like, this sounds like old school football with the, the obviously all the new bells and whistles, but that's what our coach is talking about right now. I mean, we want to be nasty. We talk about the strength and conditioning and the, the Zach Duvall effect and everything. But I mean, we want to we want to beat you up. That that's I mean, that's his vision. That's his vision statement right there. Uh, Lincoln Journal Star article on Verdusco and Frost: How they don't wait on QBs to be identified by other teams uh, prior to pulling the trigger. And they were very early on Martinez. They went after Smothers in Alabama, and uh, they were the first on 2021 Peter Costelli, six three two zero five quarterback from California. And what was interesting was. Within about a week after that, all of a sudden, other Pac-10 schools, Pac-12 schools, Oregon, Oregon State, Arizona, now they've offered. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me. I think so. Is he going to be at Mission Viejo this year? Is that right? I believe so. Yes. I, I, I thought like a Division One scholarship just came with that role. If you're a quarterback at Mission Viejo, you just get a D1 offer immediately. It's a federal so, law, actually, Dave. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Modern day Mission Viejo. <laughs> was the last time that 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 high school didn't produce a D1 <laughs> quarterback? I'd like to know. <laughs> Speaking of high schools, uh, there's someone back in coaching. Uh, Art Bryles, welcome back. Mm-hmm. He's coaching down there. <laughs> Yeah, Boomer. What are your that thoughts? Is... Your your uh, your birth state of Texas uh, has a yeah yeah. Where's that school at, Boomer? Oh gosh, are they was that Dallas or Houston? I I don't even. I think, I think it was in Dallas. It's a Dallas suburb. Yeah, and it's when they have to quietly leak that out about five thirty on a Friday before the Memorial Day weekend. That tells you how much uh, how excited yep. they really were about their hire and how proud they were to announce it to the rooftops and just kind of hoping nobody <laughs> noticed and. Uh, just, I, I would, oh, well. I would be annoyed if any program of mine had a, yeah, you know, had any role to play in, you know, somebody like that getting a new job. That's, I would just yeah. say that. Yeah. Uh, another uh, football announcement here in the last week where the kickoffs were announced for five of Nebraska's games. Oh yeah. And very specifically, the first game, South Alabama. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff on ESPN, and the significance of that is what's right before 11 a.m. on ESPN, the very first college game football day. game day of the year. So. You know, right. seconds after Corso puts on his first hat, Nebraska is going to go right to Lincoln seconds later. So there'll still uh, probably be a delay somehow, and they'll <laughs> miss the opening kickoff, like always happens to us. You know? Corso yeah. will likely have an elephant on his head because yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be Alabama. That's right. But yeah, Nebraska, you know, gets that kind of publicity right away in week one. Win that game, obviously, and go four and zero, and you're sitting there in week five, potentially hosting game day. When Ohio State comes to town, that's that's really what that's setting up for. Nice. Hey, hockey, really quick uh, before the scheduling. Only one of those got announced as a night game. Is that right? Yes, and I think that's the Northern Illinois game. I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think that. So we go out to, out to Colorado, and that's a one one thirty game. I yeah, two thirty one thirty game. I think. Uh, yep. And then back night game in Memorial, but then a couple more eleven a.m. games got announced. So we're definitely we'll have some early games again, mm-hmm. right? Vegas odds maker at Brad Powers. Uh, he had college football game of the year bets, and he had Nebraska plus ten over Ohio State. So that was one of his top games of the year. Was Nebraska plus ten? Oh, well, wouldn't that be saying that Ohio State would be favored by ten? Yes, in that, game, that right is how that works. Yes, so. and then he would take us to yes, not... yeah, we would lose by less than ten. Is was his lock? So yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, it's not a stretch. Yeah, I mean, when you got Ohio State with, you know, new coach, new everything there, and 
know, a little stability here. Who knows? Yeah. What we lost by five last year at the horseshoe in year one. Why would we lose yeah. by ten now? I mean, so but that's the line out there right now. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, and I probably should have let off with this. Coach Dewitt posted out that he is cancer free. He mentioned that on Sports Nightly. He also lost ninety five pounds, kind of all part of the chemo and everything. But uh, what excellent, great positive news we should have led the whole show off with this honestly but to be cancer free that is absolutely outstanding he's out now recruiting and so we're very happy to hear that absolutely that is great news and happy for him and and his whole family yep uh we do have one mailbag question that's football pertaining this came from will capke on twitter and he said pick four teams you would like to play every year in football he's and he said i would like oklahoma colorado miami and wisconsin those are his four uh, I told you get this a uh, few minutes before we started, so you've had a chance to think about it. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Boomer. If you could play four teams in football every year, who would they be? Four every year, huh? Yep. Uh, well, I'd agree with two of his. I do like the idea of playing Oklahoma every year. And Wisconsin, I think, is a great great pick uh, just for, you know, the, the Big Ten end of it. I'm not keen on Miami. Uh, I just... Just don't care about them much, as much as they've fallen off the face of the earth the last few decades. I actually would enjoy playing Notre Dame every year. I think that's a good matchup of national powers. You know, kind of the couple of programs that have, kind of have that national identity that you can find their fans everywhere, and seem to have a good chip on our shoulder. And plus, it you know we had a good rivalry dating back to the teens and twenties, so why not bring that back? You know, keep that going. And then yeah. if we had to have one more that we'd play every year. And I don't even hate the idea of playing Iowa every year. I think that's a nice, chippy little rivalry, and, you know, you got to have something like that, fun, close, nearby. That I think would be good. Either that or Florida State would be the other choice I think I would have. Ah, so. Florida State. That'd be yeah, I'd, I'd prefer them over Miami every year. So. Okay. Sure. Dave? Yeah, I, this is a really tough question. I, um, I I like Notre Dame, actually. It's a good one, Boomer. So I, w- I was thinking Notre Dame as well. And um, fine with Oklahoma, definitely. Fine with with Wisconsin, I mean, I guess we're doing that already. So um, the fourth one, I guess I'll just I'll take CU because I mean, it's Nebraska be coming out here every other year. Uh, I'm gonna say Oklahoma and Wisconsin as well, and I think those two are kind of like they just make sense. Like obviously Oklahoma, but Wisconsin, even though we've been losing <laughs> to them, I think genuinely people can envision that game being a great year in and year out game if we can just do our part. There's a lot of history there with Alvarez and everything. We just need to do our part, and that can be a really fun rivalry. Uh, the other two, I'm going to pick old Big 12 South schools, Texas and A&M. Uh, Boomer, you and I went down to A&M. It's an unbelievable place to go and watch a game. It would be a fun team to play every year. And Texas, uh, now that we have competent coaching in place uh, <laughs> and that we can we can defeat them. Looking for revenge. and uh yeah, it would be fun to play Texas and win on a regular basis. And plus, and plus, you'd get a good look at your uh, future coaches. And so, uh, like Moose said, people go to Texas to come to Nebraska, right? So, <laughs> so we can, you know, look at Tom Herman, size him up a little. Yeah, sure, sure. So that's kind of football for this week. And then, since we were talking about the Big Red Blitz, and there was Hoiberg on the on the trip, we got to talk a little bit of basketball. Don't have to do a whole segment on it, but there was some basketball news in the last week. Obviously, Roby is officially done at NU. He chose to stay in the in the draft. Dave, you are a you are a basketball uh, resident expert. Is that any shock to you that Roby stuck around? I don't 
can't imagine it is. Not at all. I'm shocked more than some of the stories said that it you know came down to the last hour or two or, or whatever. I felt like he was uh, solidly leaving for weeks, if not months. And, uh, yeah, I guess I read a few articles. It sounded like, you know, some of his initial feedback from the combine was really positive. Then he had a little bit more negative feedback at some point, which maybe gave him a little bit of pause in his um, decision-making. But ultimately, I think he probably made the right decision. And even if he doesn't get drafted as high as he would like, he still likely will get drafted. And even if not, with the G League now and the two-way contracts and uh, the development connections in the uh, Euro League stuff, uh, Roby will be fine and will have just as good a shot to making the NBA this year as if he would come back. So it just feels like it, it was the right decision for him. And uh, while they were on the Big Red Blitz, Frost was asked a question about flipping a roster. And he said, well, I didn't know the fl- the key to flipping a roster. I guess you just go drink some wine and get some French guys. And that's in reference to the incoming freshman, Yvonne Quadrago, Odrago, I, I don't know the Just last name. Just call him Drago. But um, Frost was talking about him at 6'8", two, uh, 265 pounds, and Hoiberg stopped him, or stopped himself, and he looked to his left, and he shoved uh, Scott Frost and said, you stay away from him. So, you know, players <laughs> that, that Hoiberg is is recruiting now, he's you know he's telling our football coach to stay away from. So Sounds like a good tight end, I got to admit. That would be. And, you know, there's this kind of nice little back and forth that's kind of starting between those two guys, so... Last but not least, Journal Star, they did have an interview with Hoiberg and, and was talking about the Huskers next year, and he said he's going into it with an open mind on the, the roster just because of the whirlwind and the change in the roster. I mean, there's literally two guys back. So uh, that's kind of Hoiberg's take going into this going into this offseason. Was there an article today actually in the – was it the Chicago Tribune that was on, on uh, yeah. Hoiberg there? I mean, anything come out of that, Dave, that you, you remember? No, I mean, I, I – I... Just a, another article on um, why he chose Nebraska and why he was the, the right right fit for Nebraska. And there was another good article in, uh, from Athlon actually that talked about how Hoiberg's using the you know use the transfer portal essentially as a waiver wire in the NBA, mm-hmm. right? And uh, he's uh, the right fit. So more you know positive national publicity essentially. All right. Well, that was the Big Red Blitz. All right, uh, we covered football, basketball, tons of baseball. Uh, Boomer, you want to cover women's bowling or anything else that I missed? No, it's off season right now, Dave. So I think we'll we're doing okay. So. <laughs> okay, all right. Because I didn't want to offend, you know, Bill Straub or, or whatever his, his name is. I want to make sure we get full coverage of our uh, best sports out there. All right, guys. So let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots, hockey. Uh, first, I want to start by saying congrats to Nebraska quarterback great Turner Gill, who has joined the Arkansas football staff as executive director of student-athlete and staff development. As Coach Gill said, he said, I'm thrilled to become a part of the Razorback family. So it'll be weird to see him doing pig suey, but it's still nice to see him sticking around the game of football. He's lasted longer than Altman has. Though, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, he's already stuck around for, I think, two days okay. or three, so that's good there. A bit closer to home. from He's from Texas originally. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the volleyball front, Jordan Larson, Kelsey Robinson, Michaela Fecky, they each made the 14-player roster for the United States national team uh, for three matches in Lincoln. I think that's being played this week, actually. So uh, congrats to those three. And then yet again, I just want to hit on this. It was part of my 
my hot take at the beginning, but uh, hashtag CU Red Out. That's got starting to get some uh, some play trending, as as we like to say in the social media world. <laughs> um, but uh, Bill Moose had had a response during the Big Red uh, Blitz. Uh, there was a question to him about Colorado trying to keep Nebraska fans from going to the game. And uh, Bill Moose responded with a big grin, and he said, we're on our way. And uh, all I can say is th- I know the Redcast is on our way to Boulder as well. So see you, Red Out, hashtag. Excellent. All right, Boomer? Well, I just figured I'd uh, close a baseball-heavy show with a couple of more good uh, bits of uh, positive news from the world of uh, uh, baseball. Uh, first off, uh, Creighton went down in flames against uh, the Michigan Wolverines tonight, so that's always a good thing. So lost a 17-6, to so... We can take some joy and at least their uh, <laughs> their failure as well. So I'm I'm not above pettiness here, uh, podcast nation. So got that going for us. And I'd also like to give a shout out to the uh, Milwaukee Brewers uh, single A affiliate, the uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They announced today they're doing a, a special name change for their uh, June 20th uh, night. They're having a special salute to cows night at. Uh, <laughs> At their ballpark to honor Wisconsin's dairyland industry. And they will be uh, changing their name to the uh, Wisconsin Utter Tuggers, complete with uh, shirts and everything. So we'll tweet that out later, so hopefully you can take a look at it. And I imagine those shirts will be popular. And uh, that's the fun of minor league baseball. They just, yeah, they have no no filters, and it's great. The Omaha Storm Chasers did something like that earlier this year with, uh, I don't even, I can't remember. Weren't they the potholes? That was it. Yeah, they did like an Omaha pothole thing. Yeah, yeah, the potholes, yep. <laughs> Oh, it's grand, isn't it? It's good stuff. Well, uh, speaking of that, Boomer, I I want to shout out for Major League Baseball to actually be playing a regular season game in Omaha next week on June 13th. Uh, The Kansas City Royals play the Tigers uh, in TD Ameritrade. It's kind of a warm-up for the College World Series, so that'll be the first time that I know that they've ever played a Major League game in the state of Omaha or state of Nebraska in Omaha. So mm. that's pretty cool and uh, should be a fun to see that on ESPN. Probably a lot of good shots of Omaha on that national broadcast. Yeah, Hunk. Well, I also wanted to mention next week, uh, that'll probably be the last show of our season, right? We're going to do like a year-end review of all sports season at Nebraska, and then we'll be going off into kind of a summer hiatus a bit. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have maybe one or two shows until we heat back up fully around the 1st of August, I would guess, right, Hunk? Mm-hmm. As long as a women's bowling coach doesn't resign in July or anything like that, and we have to do another rapid reaction show. Yeah, so. I mean, it'll be interesting. We might have to do a show just to cover the baseball hire if it's not figured out by next week. So Absolutely. We shall see. All right, guys. Well, great talking to you. And uh, until that next show, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Thanks, Coach Erstad. Thanks, Coach